0: Welcome to Grace Bible Fellowship Sermon Archive. Our prayer is that you will be abundantly blessed as you listen to this sermon delivered by Pastor Paul Francisco. Join us as we are pointed to the grace found in Jesus Christ alone as recorded in God's holy word.
1: This morning, as we've been working through the book of Titus, we've come to this place. And then as we heard last week where we focused very specifically on women in discipleship within the church, biblical womanhood, Uh, by no surprise, we deal with men this morning. And so as God's holy word speaks to us, I will attempt in my fallibility as a man to explain these truths to us men. And I would confess to you As I look into the mirror of the word, so much of what I will say this morning, that I need God's grace and his spirit because I don't measure up as well. But praise be to God, that's why we have Christ, and that's why we can turn to the truth of his words to help us. Let me start our time off by sharing a few things with you. In our day and age, the feminist movement and the lack of serious male leadership within the church has led to many problematic issues. Men have abdicated their roles as leaders, protectors, and providers, both in the home and in the church. Men are being feminized in our society guys are dressing and acting feminine instead of masculine right because they are being told to get in touch with their feminine side right the lgbt movement is promoting their agenda and sin is being celebrated the men thinking it's okay to have relations with men men are afraid to do hard things for themselves and their families We have a bunch of what I would say just plain and simply wimpy men. And never has the church needed more desperately to hear the words of Titus 2, 1 through 8. This is a text that makes God's plan, God's assignments, God's roles for men plain and clear. In this passage of Scripture, Paul outlined God's expectations for men to be men, to be masculine. He defines godly living that is consistent with sound doctrine. So again, as I proposed to you this morning, for those of us in Christ, I would argue that sound doctrine is essential for healthy and godly living. God has intended for us to know him and what he requires from us. It is through sound teaching in Scripture that we pass down the truth to the generations through discipleship. And men have an extremely important role at home and in the church. And so as we looked at Paul's address to women in the church within the role of discipleship and biblical womanhood last week, this week we turned to Paul's address to men in biblical manhood and pursuing their assignment. We begin by this point, discipleship, the pursuit of God's design for the church, biblical manhood, and pursuing God's assignment. So I'm going to do things a little bit different this morning. I'm going to have us kind of look back where we began at the beginning of the chapter as it fits perfectly within the context Not only in discipleship, as you see, Paul here has been addressing four different groups. Mature men in the faith, mature women in the faith, younger women, and younger men. And even though we see very specifically younger men here and the charge for God's assignment, it's important for us to look for context-wise to see what he says again about older men and so I will read for you verse 1 and 2, and then we'll go from there. It says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and instead fastness. Men of faith, we are called to a high task, especially for those of us who find ourselves in leadership. And in today's text, we find ourselves staring into the mirror of the Word. If we look back at the beginning of Titus and recall the passage on church leadership, particularly the role of elder pastor, we can see something very similar to this text. The pastor elders of this church are to be above reproach in character and understanding of Scripture. If we are tempted as Christian men to think that doesn't apply to us unless we are in church leadership, I want you to look again. Paul begins his exhortation to the four groups. Mature men in Christ in verse one and two, and then here again, verse six through eight. All this begins with an important premise of teaching. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. The Bible elevates teaching to the first mark of the church. And the church's primary responsibility We must be able to teach the word and be passionate about its truths. Teach sound doctrine. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Verse 9 of chapter 1. And then 2 Timothy 2.2. One of my dear favorite passages, Paul charges Timothy, he says, to entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. If you were just to look at that verse alone and look carefully, what you see is four generations of teachers. Paul entrusting to Timothy to trust to others who would teach others. Disciples making disciples, and First Timothy three two. Again on the character or the 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 qualification of elder pastor, he says therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober minded, self controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. I like how Al Mohler puts it. He says the New Testament continues to emphasize the teacher in the life of the church. Leadership is explicitly centered in the responsibility to teach. And the very act of following Christ is defined as discipleship. This in essence comes down to teaching one's followers as Jesus himself modeled. Think about the Great Commission for a moment. Jesus said, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Our teaching must be about making disciples. And we can't exhaust that in this lifetime. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children And she'll talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. This is known in the Hebrew culture tradition of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6 6 verses 6 through 7, known as the Shema. Every father was to be a teacher. And every teacher was to tell the story over and over again, lest any future generation forget. We must be able to teach his word through sound doctrine. We are an instrument in the Redeemer's hands. And he is calling on us to teach his word We are to tell the story of God's glory through all times. Tell the story of God's grace. We need to preach it to ourselves. We need to shout it from the rooftops. Teach it when we lie down and when we rise up. Teach it to our children and mean what we preach. 1 Timothy 4.16 Keep a close watch on yourselves and the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Meaning that that is in the form of a command. meaning that is in the form of a command, continue being set forth to younger men. Proverbs 4.23 reminds us to guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Therefore, we need, to, need teachers of sound doctrine empowered by the Spirit. And when we have that, we are able to be mature in Christ. To live faithful lives according to God's will. Produce good fruit in our lives and pass on the teaching to others. Essentially, this is what the great commandment is all about, right? First, the great commission, make disciples, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. Disciples, making disciples to the glory of God. And then he calls us to love God and to love our neighbors. And we can't do that without having correct understanding of who God is and what he calls us to do. So this is an action for Titus. But also a call to obedience for us. Teach Sound doctrine, pastor, elder. Teach sound doctrine, husbands. Teach sound doctrine, wives. Teach sound doctrine, parents. Teach sound doctrine, saints. And this is only possible through our own pursuit, personal pursuit of knowing Christ through his word. We must all be teachers, and it takes us studying and knowing and living out Scripture in our own personal walk with Christ. And when we do so, it produces mature men in Christ, men that are, as our text says, sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. So mature men in Christ are to teach sound doctrine and they are to be godly men of character model it while teaching younger men in the faith the implication is that they would be instructed in the way that they should live by titus and older men who would provide the encouragement and the example they needed younger men need strong healthy role models provided by older men in the faith. Paul outlines this discipleship of biblical manhood, God's design for men to flourish. Paul recognizes the need younger men have for godly mentoring. And so he instructs them in a pattern of discipleship that would promote godly character and conviction and commitment. So what I want to give for you, and if you guys like to write down notes, I want to give you four B's of biblical manhood. The four B's of biblical manhood. First, be level-headed. In other words, self-controlled. Secondly, be a good example, which means a model of good works. Thirdly, be sound in doctrine. In your teaching, show integrity and dignity. And fourthly, be sound in speech, that you cannot be condemned or evil spoken against you. So the four B's again be level headed, be a good example, be sound in doctrine, and be sound in speech. And let's deal with the first of these. Being level headed or self controlled means. It is defined as the ability to manage your actions and your emotions. Like (laughs) when you want that last cookie, but you resist the temptation and avoid eating it. Because you know it isn't good for you. You see, the word encourage here is in the imperative. Meaning that it is in the form of a command. Meaning, it is continually being set forth to younger men. Interestingly enough, Paul uses the exact same concept for all four groups. You notice that older man, older woman, young woman, and young men. Titus two one right. But as for you, teach what accords what sound doctrine. Wait, sorry, I messed up myself. Okay. Verse 3, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. There's the connotation as having self-control, right? Not drinking too much, overindulging. And then he says in verses 4 through 5, he says, And so train young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled. And then in verse 6, you see here, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Well, you know what's peculiar here, but he also used the same character quality for pastor elders. Do you remember that? Chapter 1, if you flip over your Bibles here to verse 7 and 8 in Titus, what does he say? For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for game, but hospitable, a lover of good, self controlled. Upright, holy, and disciplined. You notice, if you remember, recall the message back when I was dealing with that particular passage. I said, the, the, the amazing thing about this, these character qualities of elders, pastors, is there's nothing special about them at all. In other words, what I was saying is that we all, as fellow followers of Christ, should be pursuing these exact same things. So what we see here. Is this qualification for older men, for younger men, for older women, for younger women? All of it points us to have self-control. But why does Paul seem fit to repeat this so many times in his letter to Titus in the Church of Crete? I don't know if you recount the Gospels and any time Jesus repeated something, he was trying to get someone's attention. Truly, truly, Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon. He's like, listen, listen. It's very clear from all humanity that with so many illusions of comfort and ease and indulgence, We are so easily led astray to feed the desires of our flesh. Everything God has made was good in creation, right? Genesis 1.31, God saw everything he made, and behold, it was good. However, so often we abuse these gifts from God. Instead of enjoying and delighting them, As God had intended, without abuse, we make them idols of our heart. Think about that. The food we eat. The money we have. Something good like working out could become an idol in your life. Your spouse. We're called to love our spouse. How can they be an idol? If your spouse was gone today, would your life be destroyed? Would you have no hope, no reason to live? What about your children, your prized possessions? Right? Even in my own blood relatives, there are family members that love their children so much They are so invested in their success. They have no issue with missing a Sunday, a service. They have no issue doing everything. Their whole motivation. You ever hear of that happening with mother or father's whole prize possession is in the trophy of their kids, living through their kids' lives, their own successes? So we must take the good things of the Lord, promoting the right passion, not easily given into sin and temptation, being able to just have one drink, being able to hold your tongue when spoken harshly to. You are disciplined, showing a controlled form of behavior or a way of working ethically that means at your jobs. A daily routine in the pursuit of holiness. Devoted daily to the truth. Practicing the spiritual disciplines. Laboring in God's word and prayer. The self-controlled man actively engages the battle for the mind. Knowing that he must control and discipline his thought life. If he is to win the battles of the Christian Life. This means we monitor ourselves day in and day out, submitting our lives to the x ray vision and CAT scan detail of God's perfect Word, looking into the mirror of the Word and not forgetting. That's what self control is. That is what being level headed is. Being wise in our decisions, in control over our emotions, looking to the perfect example, Christ, and knowing how to balance that out in our lives. And then we see this second B, right? Be a good example, a model of good works. The Greek word here, for example, is where we get our English word type. In other words, this is the type of man God desires to represent Christ. This is biblical manhood on display. John. Chris Austin said this. I like the way he says it. He says, let the luster of your life be a common school of instruction, a pattern of virtue to all. The luster of your life. Young men in the faith should be on lookout for godly men they can emulate, men they can pattern their life after. You see, God's word does heart surgery within a man in order to shape and mold him closer to the image of the cross, the image of Christ, so that he would be a man above reproach. <coughs> Excuse me. Titus was to be the first among equals, to help build up the church with godly leaders. And by Titus's teaching, sound doctrine. He was both teaching and demonstrating how to be a mature man in the faith. And all of these characteristics is a gift from God. It is the fruit of the Spirit working on the heart of men, causing them to be holy and to live out the fruits given to them by faithfully living out godliness in their lives. Christian men, what is your life characterized by? What is your life characterized by? When others are asked about you, what would they say? Are you pursuing God's assignment for you to be a mature man of the faith? Are you pursuing God's assignment for living out biblical manhood? You see, biblical manhood is not being a womanizer nor is it being in touch with your feminine side. We need men to be men, not given over easily to the whims of defeat or being swayed to the false romances of the world. We need strong men of godly character, showing the strength of the Messiah as we are pursuing righteousness and holiness and being a servant. Serving those less fortunate. Being a gentleman. There is something to be said about the way men were raised when just 50 years ago. Holding the door open for women. Opening the door. Speaking to women with respect as precious treasures that they are. Producing the right pattern of life according to God's standards. This means they are being committed to godliness and Christ likeness. The beauty and credibility of the gospel is being put on display when you are modeling yourself in such a way. You delight in the good things of others. A mature man in Christ is not afraid to do hard things for their family. He's willing to lay down his life for those he loves. He's not afraid to lead with integrity. Not afraid to stand up for what is right. When all the rest of the world is telling us to pursue our own selfish goals, instead giving ourselves over to sacrificial Service rather than the meaningless pursuit of happiness in the vanishing things of this world. Oh, how we need strong, non compromising men of faith, men who act and dress like men not giving in to the feminism of our manhood. I'm not willing to stand and willing to stand in the face of danger. Fathers, you children ought to think that you're dragon slayers, that we are fighting the evil one. We're willing to take battle for the truth of the word of God and not compromise that. that we would be willing to say, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Husbands. I told you I'd come back around to this. Remember when it said the only place in the Bible where it told wives to love their husband, but everywhere else in the Bible, it says, husbands, love your wife. This means that you take the initiative In your family worship. You love your wife as Christ loved the church. Giving of yourself in service or benefit to her. By dying to self, dying in service to your family, dying in your leadership, we are to die, die, die. This is an example of biblical manhood. Modeling it to younger men in the faith in discipleship. And they are yearning for godly examples. Someone who is demonstrating biblical manhood in this way. Here's that word that often is misunderstood. Submission, right? This is biblical submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Willingly and sacrificially giving of yourselves towards your wife, your children, and others. Leading them in love and being a model of good works out of reverence for Christ. Men, do you want to know how you're doing in your leadership? Ask your wife. Ask your wife. With humility. See, the truth is, is we have a tendency to think that we are, are better than we actually are. Ourselves, in reality, we need our wives. See, the truth is, is if it was left up to us, there was a lot of things we'd mess up. See, our wives compliment us. They bring a certain beauty to our marriage that we lack. They are actually teaching us something what it means to serve, what it means to love Christ loved us. These are the types of men that teach respect and honor to younger men. Men of faith, do you know such godly men? Do you strive to be one of those godly men in the church? Let your lives be a display of the gospel. Live your life on purpose live it in such a way that it honors and glorifies our Lord and it's beautiful and attractive to our wives and that younger men would give you respect not because of how good you are or how awesome they think you are but because they can see a godly example someone who's displaying biblical manhood in such a way And then we hear this charge, and in your teaching show integrity and dignity. This is your third B. Be sound in doctrine. Yeah. So young men must not be fooled into following false doctrine. They must exhibit integrity and dignity in their teaching. The focus here falls on how one teaches, not what. Let me say that again. The focus here falls on how one teaches and not what. But both are essential. But purity and motive and authenticity in manner, this is what Paul is exhorting Titus in. You ever hear the saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? See, mature men in Christ must live a life of integrity. Accompanied by dignity. This is a manner of respect. The content and character of a man. The logos and the ethnos go together. They are fused together and they complement one another. Truth being taught without compromise. Pursuing God's assignment in this way demonstrates Something. We truly believe what we teach, and this comes from God in and it is profitable. It is profitable for what? Teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. This is, I'm quoting from you, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. Let me read that for you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted, fathers, acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out, God breathed and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Men of faith, have you been given the the gift of sound doctrine? Has someone taught you these truths? Has the Holy Spirit revealed these truths in his word? that is true of you, how are you using it to disciple men so that they can pursue their assignment by God? And then we come to our last B, being sound in speech. And sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Integrity and sound doctrine, as we just heard, pours out a pure vessel. You see, when you are living and modeling good works, the character that God has called you to be as biblical men, and then you have been given the gift of sound doctrine and teach out of a pure heart, it is pouring out something. It should pour out of you sound or healthy speech. Paul is telling Titus that his message is to be sound beyond reproach. So that the opponent will be ashamed. Having nothing bad to say about us. Our conduct of life and our words are concrete. We both live it and we teach it. In fact, those who criticize such faithful and holy teachers will eventually shame their own selves. Because their actu- accusations are without merit or substance. I like how Brian Chappell says it this way. it's says, there should be a multiplication of silencers. A multiplication of silencers as the godly influence of Titus spreads among the young men and helps to heal the embattled church. This is not to say that we are without sin or may need correction ourselves at points. We all have theological blind spots, including myself. However, we let the gospel be the offense. Not the messenger. Let it be the message they say no to. Not the messenger because of a shameful life. And not let our speech pour and let our speech forth pour forth wisdom. Sorry, I'm stumbling on my own words. Let our speech pour forth wisdom. When we speak, it has a beauty to it, a truth to it. It is pulling on the hearts of younger men because there's wisdom not of our own doing. That gift that comes from God through salvation, that illumination that we get from the Holy Spirit as we get sound doctrine, as we are able to live that out in a godly way, a man of character, become mature men of Christ. We speak words of wisdom. We are to be mature men in the faith, pursuing biblical manhood as such that we are sober minded, dignified, self controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in the steadfastness. You see, faith, love, and steadfastness is a triage of Christian outgrowth. The natural maturity that comes with hope in Christ through faith, a mature, godly man is to be sound or healthy, confident, confidence and trust in the Lord. This kind of person, personal faith, is rooted in a daily walk, a walk with God as Father, and an immersion in one's life in the Scriptures. This man not only knows what he believes, but also why he believes it. It causes him to be loving, Towards others. We are to love God supremely and then extend that love. And our speech ministers wisdom when we do so. Our speech ministers wisdom. Not foolish babble. This is the same charge Paul gives to Timothy in his letter. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. He says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Not earthly wisdom, but godly wisdom. For by professing it, some have swerved from The faith. That's what happens when we don't speak godly wisdom, when we don't have sound doctrine. It's foolishness. There's a calling to all men of faith, but especially younger men, to pursue your assignment in this training. And older men in faith are to be teaching you this. This is precisely what Paul was saying to Timothy, and now doing the same in his exhortation. To Titus, do not let your youth go on with the passions of the flesh, but be devoted to the word, discipline yourself in godly training. If you got your Bibles, I want you to actually turn here with me. First Timothy, I want you to turn there with me. I want you to see this for yourself. We're going to look at first Timothy chapter four. Verse six through 16. Actually, second it is first I'm in the wrong place. Sorry. First Timothy, chapter four, six through 16. It says, "If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine." That you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is some value, godliness is a value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech. There you go again. And in conduct in love in faith in purity until I come devote yourself to the public reading of scripture to exhortation to teaching do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy with the council of elders laid their hands on you practice these things immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress Progress, and then as I quoted early, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. These words, brothers. These words, fathers. These words, mature men in faith. These words will give life a life a purpose, encouragement, and joy. And you ought to be pursuing God's assignment for you in humility, patience, and honor, discipleship, the pursuit of God's design for the church, teaching sound doctrine, matures men in Christ, And mature men in the faith are to disciple younger men, to pursue biblical manhood in God's assignment. Christian men, are you pursuing God's assignment for you this morning? This is a high calling and a great, unsurmountable task. Ask the Lord to fill you with the Spirit, and this word to bring you to obedience. Acknowledge the beauty and wisdom of God and his design for discipleship and lead your wife in helping her to pursue her own assignment. Christian women, are you honoring your husband in this way? Ask God to help your heart pursue biblical womanhood. If you're a mature woman in Christ, teach What is good? If you're a younger woman in Christ, pursue God's assignment for you. Friend, maybe you are here today. Maybe all of this stuff sounds countercultural to what you have been taught and think is right. Perhaps this seems unattainable. You're right, it is. Turn to Christ. Turn to Christ. Know that God's truth is what will bear fruit in your life and give you true joy, peace, and happiness. You see, the world will fail you. You will be left empty and never satisfied. You will not flourish outside of God's design. Turn to Christ. Taste and see that he is good. And I leave you with these words from God's holy word. As you look on the screen or in your Bibles, this new Old Testament passage, as King David took his son outside right before his death was drawing near, and he said these words When David's time to draw new year drew near, he commanded Solomon. His son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways, keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper and all that you do. And wherever you turn, hear these words today.
0: Praise the Lord that his word is sufficient for our every need. Join us next time as we continue our study of God's infallible word. We would also love to have you join us in person at Grace Bible Fellowship. We meet together each Sunday from 9 a.m. to 9.50 a.m. for Connections Sunday School and from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our worship service. We're located at 1385 Northwestern Drive on the west side of El Paso, along with our hosting sister church, Missión de Gracia. If you have any questions, you can dial 915-308-1208 or visit our website at www.gracebibleelpaso.org. We would love to see you this Sunday as GBF gathers to proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ.